Welcome to the Revolutionary Radio Project. I'm your host, Rob Skiba, and for some of you out there, today is Passover. Uh, we actually celebrated Passover this past Monday, but uh, people have been doing it pretty much all week so far, depending on which calendar you're on. Some did on Monday, some yesterday, and some doing it today. Whenever you're doing it, happy Passover. Um, interesting timing, This uh, what's going on in the world right now with Passover uh, happening at the same time. Uh, rather interesting. Um I found out about something recently. If you're in lockdown and you don't want to go to the grocery store, I mean, if you're, if you've gotten out and about at all uh, recently, you've seen how things are radically changing. I mean, like everywhere, <laughs> uh, every, everywhere I normally go, they have these uh, markers like on the floor every six feet, and they've got plastic, you know, walls in front of cashiers now, and everybody's wearing masks and gloves and everything else. Uh, people getting kind of crazy in the stores and whatnot. Uh, so if if you're sick of all that and you don't want to deal with that when you're trying to get your groceries and things of that nature, uh, my trainer at the gym, uh, 24-Hour Fitness that uh, I used to go to before they closed it down because of COVID-19, uh, he told me about something called Trifecta. And I will show that to you here, do a screen share. Trifecta, I actually put a link in the description if you want to check it out for yourself. Uh, they have all kinds of different meal plans that you can choose from. I've actually done two weeks of it so far and have been, like I gotta say, I'm, I'm really happy with the results. So uh, I'm sharing it with you. They are different types depending on what your lifestyle might be. If you're into keto or paleo or vegan or classic or just kind of, you know, classic meat and potato kind of person or uh, vegetarian or whatnot, they've got meal plans set up. Or you could do a la carte where you just kind of choose your own uh, meals. They got little videos here to tell you how it all works, they, and they come in these sealed packages like that. Uh, you choose, basically, choose your protein, choose your vegetables, choose your carbs, and uh, every Friday it shows up at your door. Uh, so uh, it may be a good alternative for a lot of you if you're wanting to eat healthy. Everything's made with organic ingredients, sustainably sourced, no, no GMO. So good stuff. Uh, so. Yeah, if you're interested in getting meals delivered to your door, literally it's already cooked. All you have to do is actually just stick it in the oven and heat it up a little bit, or microwave. I never use microwaves, but whatever you use to uh, heat up your food, you just select what you want, put it in, heat it up, and it's done. So uh, quick and easy, shows up every Friday, and you can customize your meal plan however you like. And uh, if that is something of interest to you, uh, there's a referral link it, that will actually help me out a little bit uh, in the description below. You can uh, select that and, uh, you know, it helps me and it helps you. So kind of a win-win for everybody. You know, in that regard, you know, I I don't say it enough. I, I really need to be more proactive at thanking our supporters uh, because truly we, we could not do what we do without you. 
those of you who have been supporting us, supporting this ministry over the years. Thank you so much. Thank you. Thank you again. We couldn't do it without you. Many have had to uh, stop their support, understandably so, because, you know, many people are losing their jobs and not able to go to work and whatnot. So uh, as a result, our support is not what it used to be. Um, and, you know, I, I hate asking. Uh, truly, I do. Uh, but I'm kind of getting at a situation where I'm looking at the Excel spreadsheet and the outgo is not matching the income. And, you know, I don't have a job. This is what I do for a living is provide content for you guys. So um, if the 10 years worth of free content that I have been providing to you guys is worth anything to you, uh, we could certainly use your support. We appreciate it. And again, everybody that has supported us in the past, thank you so much. And we understand if you can't do it any longer, you got to take care of your families too. So uh, enough about that. Uh, Zen, are you there? I am, brother. How you doing? I'm doing really well. We celebrated Passover yesterday as well, and today um, on our calendar is the 15th, so it's the Sabbath of Unleavened Bread, But and it's also the full moon, which, you know, mm. for our calendar, the full moon aligns with the 15th. But, yeah, um, just been continuing work on different projects and different books and um, doing research and studying really enjoying the spring and seeing everything bloom and uh, the flowers and the pollen thank goodness it rained a little bit yesterday but um, yeah so everything's good here Um, I'm just really blessed and enjoyed Passover and we actually did a seven minute video of you know, the prayer um, and just talking about Passover at the very beginning. And then also um, the we did communion where, you know, because Passover is the, the celebration that um, the apostles and Christ had done. And when he told them to, you know, to break the bread and to, to drink the wine in remembrance of him. So. Um, we did that and released it on video and had a really good time hanging out with my, my kids and one of my friends, Nora. And so, yeah, had a really good Passover and, um, you know, looking forward to continuing because we're almost to the book on the courses of the heavenly luminaries. And, <laughs> yeah. We might actually get yeah. there tonight. Depends. We'll, we'll see. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Um, so, uh, oh, wait a minute. Uh, I think I have, well, I don't have it within reach. Oh, maybe I do. Hang on a second. Uh, I have your calendar, and um, what is this, April, what's today, 8th, so... Yeah, the 9th today, well, now at midnight, but yeah. Well, so, so yeah, I guess that's my question. How do you account the beginning of the day? Like, when does your day start? Uh, with dawn and to dusk, uh, I believe that, you know, the... Just like it speaks about in in the scriptures, as far as um, the daylight hours, the the twelve hours a day, uh, I also believe that you know Sabbath is celebrated from dawn to dusk. Um, but with regard to our calendar, we just released the new one, which is the Enochian seasonal lunar solar calendar, and we have to we do two of them. We do the regular January through December calendar, and then we do another one, um, March to February, which aligns with God's calendar because his 
you know, his seasons and his year begins with spring. Mm -hmm. And it's difficult to plot a calendar, a lunar solar calendar a year in advance uh, because of the 29.541 mm -hmm. days, the, the average as far as the synodic month. And so often what happens, especially in the winter months, is you get a back-to-back 30-day -back lunar um, month. And so that skews the calendar sometimes. And so, um, in fact, that's what happened. Uh, this We had one day off uh, in the other calendar, and so we fixed that because um, the April 25th is when the Waxing Crescent was actually sighted. And that made um, the first quarter Sabbath was on the, uh, the, the first and then the eighth would be the full moon which is today and then the 20 uh, the 22nd would be the third quarter um and yeah the first the eighth the 15th and the 22nd so the yeah the 15th would be um which was next next week would be the third quarter and then seven days after that would be the lunar conjunctive so uh the calendar that I have, it may have been an earlier print, seems like it's correct to me. Um, uh, on your calendar, okay, so I'm also of the opinion that the day begins at sunrise. Mm -hmm. um, and my jury, frankly, is still out as to whether a day is considered just the daylight period or the 24-hour period. Um, mm -hmm. I, I see precedence for both. I see day right, as right. representing yeah, the daylight daytime if you will mm -hmm. and yet a day encompassing a night you know also uh so i'm of the opinion that the day begins at sunrise and and goes all the way 24 hours until the next sunrise as a as a full 24-hour day um mm -hmm. and you know there's all these different calendars out there um different hebrew calendars different traditional jewish calendars different enoch calendars different zadok calendars you know, right. Some of the Enoch Zadok crowd was like, well, we did Passover last month. I'm like, oh, brother, you know, whatever. And, <laughs> and then, then there's a whole other group of people that think that the the full moon is the new moon. And so it's like, right. oh, for crying out loud. Um, you know, right. and that's why I'm, I don't, I am not at all dogmatic about any of these things. I am, you know, a student like anybody else out there. And I'm trying yes. to figure this out myself. What what this year I decided to do is, and it may be kind of a hybrid <laughs> calendar. Um, what makes sense to me, since the the year begins in the spring, um, right, is that sort of the solar lunar idea that the the spring vernal equinox is the the marker. Okay, that's we wait for that. That you still have to f finish off the end of the what is the the Hebrew month Adar, I think. Right. Uh, so you, yeah. you know, whenever I think it was March nineteenth, I think was the vernal equinox, and so you continue in that right. Hebrew month until the new moon, and then you start the Nisan month, and um, you know, even in that regard, some say that the new moon is the conjunction. Uh, some are the first visible, you know, uh, crescent. Uh, I was a conjunction mm -hmm. guy for uh, several years, uh, then became convinced that it's the first visible crescent. So 
that's what I'm going off of right now. So for me right now, people ask me, what calendar are you on? Well, I'm still trying to figure that out myself, but um, you know, this is a good time to start. So this is my current understanding of how I'm starting this year is vernal equinox, wait for the first new moon that will end the, the previous Hebrew calendar and start the new Hebrew calendar. Uh, and the first crescent, that new moon, uh, day one of Nisan, 14th day is Passover. On your calendar, yes. you have, uh, that was on Monday, uh, Passover, Nissan 14, which is why I did it on Monday. But not the only re- that's not the only reason I did it on Monday. Uh, I did it on Monday. I, saw, I initially saw it on your calendar, but then I went and looked up, okay, w- when is the full moon? And so I went online and uh, the old Farmer's Almanac, almanac.com, and just typed in full moon for April. And it says April's full moon rises on the night of Tuesday the 7th, which was last night. Uh, mm-hmm. And Sheila and I were out for a walk, and sure enough, it was a full moon. Uh, they call it a pink moon. Uh, I, I didn't notice anything different about it. Some people said it was, you know, a super moon, pink moon, whatever. Uh, the super pink moon apparently was uh, this year. But, you know, t- to me, when I went out there for a walk, it looked just like any other full moon I've ever seen. But uh-huh. I took that as confirmation that right. that was the 15th. And so uh, yesterday for me was a uh, you know, first day of unleavened bread, high Sabbath mm-hmm. kind of deal. Uh, so f- now I am at the end of day two of the uh, second day you know, of unleavened bread. So that's, that's where I am right now. Mm-hmm. Yeah, that's, uh, that's exactly how we had it set up. But... I, you know, I always look for the waxing crescent and the appearance of it. And on the the calendar that you have, which is from January to um, to December, we had that the waxing crescent was spotted on the 24th, but it was actually on the 25th um, that the you know that it was sighted. And so I shifted the calendar uh, for the new one. Uh, the seasonal calendar and began the Rosh Kadesh Nisan on the 25th of April and then you have again the seven days thereafter which would be on the first um, that would be the 8th of Nisan that's the first quarter Sabbath and then the Passover was on the 7th for us because again it just shifted that one day Um, but then the 15th of Nisan is the eighth which is today the uh full moon sabbath and it is you know it's still even though well it's starting to it's starting to wane now yeah yeah um because of that one day you know as far as the waxing crescent it does skew it just a little bit but it is mostly in line with the um the quarterly phases Mm -hmm. well you know like i said everybody's got to you know, work this out yeah, as best yeah, they can, all, you know, just right. trying to figure it out. But, you know, mm-hmm. I, I'm going to go off that, the premise that I described earlier. So, at least, you know, it's like if you can at least get the the month right, the, the first month, right. then everything's pretty simple from there because, you know, just kind of, yeah. you know, first month, second month, and, you know, right. uh, and then you get the, to the uh, seventh month, that's when you get the, the fall feasts and stuff. And, of course, yes, the um, yeah. uh, Pentecost uh, being... Um, 50, what's it, 50 days from, is it First Fruits? Uh, yeah, I think it's 50 days from First Fruits. I forget. 
don't take my word for it, people. Yeah. Read Leviticus 23, figure it yeah, out for from yourself. The, yeah, from the 16th. But I actually, um, I, I believe that in looking at that, because when you look at Leviticus 23 on the Pentecost, it says seven perfect weeks. And so I believe that you don't include the translation days nor Kadesh in that count. And so it's always going to be the day after the seventh Sabbath, which is the eighth of Savan. And so Pentecost uh, or Shavuot is always the ninth of Savan, which is the day after the seventh Sabbath following the day of first fruits. Well, so, um, and, and this is where right now, because I'm not convinced of the lunar Sabbath, so you have a floating Sabbath. So you'd be counting your uh, your Sabbaths, you know, on the on the floating right. scale, whatever day it yeah. is. What, what day is it for you this week? The Wednesdays. Are oh, so, the so, Sabbath. so today is your today is your Sabbath. So th- so t- mm-hmm. today would be the first the first of, of the seven Sabbaths that you're counting. Um. Or, well, tom- yeah. Well, no. Tomorrow will be the sixteenth of Nisan, and so there's seven Sabbaths after. So the 15th, which is next month, would be the first Sabbath um, after the 16th of Nisan. So the 16th of Nisan, which is tomorrow, is the first day of the Omer. And if you, like, well, I'll pull it up on the seasonal calendar here. Uh, you have the Rosh Kadeth for the month of Iyar. Is there a link, I, is there a link I can put up for everybody? Yeah, um, it's... To sacredwordpublishing.com, the Enochian calendar. Sacred Word. You can find, yeah. Sacred Word Publishing. Yeah, sacredwordpublishing.com, the Enochian calendar, and there should be, this month should be up there. Okay, and yeah. if you look at we're, it, you can see. Uh, full calendar. Uh, click here to, to show calendar below, okay? Yeah. Uh, oh, wait, that's your schedule calendar, it looks like. Uh, oh. where's the Enoch calendar? I'm trying to find it. should it. be, um, yeah, it should be on one of the main oh, Enoch, tabs. Oh, Enoch calendar, I see it. Yeah, Enoch calendar. Gotcha, okay, so where are you now? Okay, so you look at the sixth, um, the ninth of, of April is the first day of the Omer, the 16th of Nisan. Hmm. You see that? Yeah. And then you see on the 23rd is a Rosh Kadeth for the month of IR, mm. which would make Sabbaths on um, Thursday next month. Mm. But anyways, we don't include um, Rosh Kadesh or Translation Day in the count of the Pentecost because it's seven perfect weeks, and so you have seven Sabbaths after the 16th, which would be the 15th, the 22nd, the 29th, and then you go to the next month, and then you have um, on the hold on, I just skewed it. Is there? A, uh, oh yeah. Uh, is there a link? Because all I have is April. I can't advance. Oh yeah, I'd have to. I'll I'll have to send it to you. Okay. And um, yeah. Um, and I, I can you know post it, it in the chat up, room but, or something. Maybe Justin or somebody. Yeah, that's a good idea. And he's listening. Okay. Um, but it would be seven Sabbaths afterwards. And so always, you know, because the Sabbaths occur on the 8th, the 15th, the 22nd, and 29th of the lunar months, 
then you're going to have three after um, the 16th of Nisan as part of this month, and then you'll have four next month, and then you have on the first um, the first Sabbath of the month of Sivan, and then the day after that first Sabbath, which is the seventh Sabbath after the 16th of Nisan, it is always the ninth of Sivan. And so that's always Pentecost. Okay. Yeah, ours is different from that, so I'm going to have to, like I said, the, the mm-hmm. calendar that I'm sort of trying to walk out here is is going to be a hybrid of all this. I need to get uh, Zach right. uh, uh, from My House Ministries. They, they have a, it's similar to yours, but closer to my view of when the Sabbath is on, you know, the Saturday Sabbath. Um, mm-hmm. Yeah, I, this is the year I'm determined to try to get something working in my mind that actually fits right everything on. that I that I think I understand anyway. Uh, you know, um, and, you know, look, I've said it before to many people, these are moadim, that, which means appointed times that we are supposed to mikra. The Hebrew word is rehearse. And ha- having a theater background and having written and directed many theatrical plays, we have many rehearsals where everybody's not getting everything right. <laughs> you know, right. that's why you do rehearsals. And then finally you have a, a dress rehearsal, you have a tech rehearsal, then it's the main event. And so uh, I personally believe we're, we may be in the uh, tech rehearsal phase mode right now where everybody's still trying to get things technically right. And, you know, not everybody's on the same page. I believe the two witnesses, when they do show up, they'll get us all right. in sync, show us exactly what's right, what's wrong, and get us in right, and then we'll have a full dress rehearsal probably, and then it's the main event if it follows that same format. I'm not saying it is, but that's the way it feels like for me. So <clears throat> um, that's what we're doing. Uh, you know, this is the first year I actually uh, kind of made sure I had my go bag ready. <laughs> was, uh, mm-hmm. uh, you know, it says eat the Passover in haste and, you know, be you right. know, I didn't sleep with my clothes on or anything, but I had <laughs> my clothes like right next to me ready if I had to get up and go. And what we did this year is there's a, a video called the Passover. Uh, what is it? I forget what it's called now. Um, I posted it. Let me put it on the, uh, hang on a second. <clears throat> uh, on Ephraim Awakening, if people go to my Ephraim Awakening website, the last blog that I posted, because a lot of people were asking me, how do we do it? You know, like for many people, this was the first year people did Passover. So, uh, you know, it's exciting, but it can be confusing. People, you know, trying to figure it out. So I wrote a a blog post April 5th called Keeping Passover. And, uh, uh, you know, again, I'm not claiming to be right. This is my understanding. And, you know, I I reserve the right to be wrong. (laughs) Uh, But I went through and kind of described, you know, when is it? How do we celebrate it? The scriptures that referred to it had some videos. Um, there's a video I posted by Zach Bauer, and, you know, it's it's real important that people understand, look, none of us can truly keep it the way we're supposed to keep it because things aren't in place for us to do so. So, you know, we can do the best we can, and it's all about obedience and trying to get on God's page, and it's a, it's a celebration of remembrance anyway. So, um, right. you know, there's an issue about the lamb and all that stuff and, you know, how you do it and, you know, whatever. And, you know, I'm of the opinion Yeshua is the the final lamb that takes away the sins of the world. So I'm not bringing, yeah. I'm not raising a lamb in my property and killing it or anything like that. Right. Um, when do we eat it? And, you know, was uh, it Yeshua, did Yeshua eat a Passover meal? Uh, the last, so-called last supper. I'm of the opinion that he did. Um, 
and gave some reasons for that and some links for people to check out and had no idea that it's just, you know, like everything else. It's so contentious. People are like, people going nuts. I'm like, look, just, you know, it, it says point blank. He longed to eat the Passover. He ate the Passover. He, they went to prepare a place that he could eat the Passover. I'm like, yeah, how many times I got to say it? And Matthew, Mark, Luke, you know, before you finally get it. Um, there was a pretty cool graphic I saw online because the command is to eat between the two evenings. So, you know, if you believe the day begins at sunrise, like you and I do, that's not in conflict with anything. The command is to eat it between the two evenings. So the evening of the day before and the evening of the ends of the day that he was crucified, any time in that time period, you can eat the Passover. Uh, so mm-hmm. he did. Uh, but there's a video called the Passover movie. I don't know if you've seen it. It's like uh, 49 minutes long. It's actually, I think it's really well done. Um, and so what we did this year is we we got the various uh, elements for eating set up, and you could pretty much just follow the video. But the video is done as a narrative, like you know, as a as as a uh, like a, a movie uh, of events taking place one year after the crucifixion. And w- one of the people in the family was a follower. He he was the firstborn of the household, and he was trained to be a rabbi. But he followed the ministry of, of Yeshua, followed him right through the crucifixion. He saw everything. Cool. I won't spoil the ending of it because I just love the way the ending is and, and who you find out that this guy is. But um, it just it, to me, it's a beautiful little video and easy to follow along and worked out really well. It was really just uh, Sheila, myself, uh our niece and uh, Sheila's sister and her mother uh, did like a FaceTime in with us. So, you know, it was awesome. just a little small thing and we watched the video together and I prepared a little sheet that I read from and, you know, described the, what the Exodus was about and what the, you know, what we call the Lord's Supper, you know, the, the meal that he had with his mm-hmm. disciples was about and, and all that. And so, you know, it went so well. We're like, you know what? I think this may become a family tradition, you know, because uh, it's God. easy. That's awesome. Yeah, it's easy. It wasn't complicated. It wasn't full of, you know, long, drawn-out teachings or anything like that, like, you know, so many of the other ones that we've been to. And, you know, that's needed right now because people still don't understand. So, you, you know, mm-hmm. you kind of have to do long teachings. But, you know, after over 10 years of doing this, I'm like, look, when can we get to the part where we're celebrating the same way we used to do Xmas and Ishtar Day? You know, we didn't have teachings all day long. We just celebrated. So uh, right. that's what we did. And it looks like we're going to break. We'll come back and we'll jump right into the Book of Enoch. Wow, that was quick. Yeah, it was. It's amazing how people have been raving about Aya Life all over Facebook. They've been posting their testimonials just because they want to get the word out because it's worked so well for them. If you're not familiar with Aya Life, it's a 99% pure CBD oil. But the secret is the synergy between the hemp and the ayahuasca vine, the non-psychoactive component of the ayahuasca tea. We recently received an email from a wife whose husband has Parkinson's. For the first time, he's been able to sleep through the entire night. Another customer reported that they're no longer using NSAIDs because their tennis elbow has been relieved with Iolife. The reports have been phenomenal and much more than we ever expected. Everyone should have access to this. That's why if you head on over to Iolife.com right now, 
and use coupon code TFR, we'll give you $5 towards your order. And we'll even ship it worldwide. That's ayalife.com, A-Y-A, life.com. So, you love talk radio, then you'll love TalkStreamLive.com. TalkStream Live is always on, 24-7, with the best streaming talk shows. Find your favorite talkers and discover some new ones. It's free, readily available online or on mobile with any smartphone or tablet. Finding your favorite talk shows all in one place has gotten a whole lot easier. Just go to TalkStreamLive.com. Be sure to download the free apps from Google Play or the iTunes App Store. If you have hard water, the LimeScale not only leaves white spots, it clogs pipes and breaks down appliances, costing you hundreds of dollars in energy and wear. Eliminate LimeScale and other water issues like brown staining and bad odors with HydroCare water products available from Wave Home Solutions. Wave's affordable water systems don't use salts or chemicals. You'll love the way your water tastes, smells, and looks. Satisfaction guaranteed. For more information, go to bestwater123.com. That's bestwater123.com. Hi, I'm Sergeant Jim Ram, retired. In early 2012, I was facing a laundry list of chronic health conditions that my physician was telling me were incurable. I knew there had to be a better way, and I learned how I could reverse every one of my ailments with science-based, clinically verified medical nutrition. In just a few months, I was able to reverse high blood pressure, gastric reflux, sleep apnea, arthritis, degenerative disc disease, heart arrhythmia, AFib, and many more. And I've lost over 70 pounds and kept it off. Now I'm hosting a radio program that's dedicated to helping my listeners do the same. If you're sick, if you're being tired and sick and tired, if you're sick of being used as an ATM by your doctor, then you'll want to tune into the Your DIY Health radio program here on Truth Frequency Radio every Thursday from 9 a.m. to 11 a.m. Eastern and 6 to 8 a.m. Pacific. No hype, no fear. You're listening to Truth Frequency Radio. We are TFR. We're back on the Revolutionary Radio Project. I'm your host, Rob Skiba, and we are now going to jump into the Book of Enoch. And uh, let me look and see here. It uh, looks like I will be starting in Chapter 68, I believe, and you will be starting in 69 in the Charles, correct? Mm, yes. Pretty sure. Uh, one question really quickly. With regard mm-hmm. to that Passover video, it, what it is that on YouTube or Netflix or? <clears throat> oh yeah. Um, let me put it back up on the screen here. Um, so if you go to eframeawakening.com in in the main menu, uh, not a main menu on the front page. Let me go back. Uh, just go to the eframeawakening.com and then scroll down. When you see April fifth, twenty twenty, keeping Passover. Click on that link. 
that's the blog that I referred to, and I actually embedded the video. Okay, great. Uh, so there's Zach, there's Zach Bauer's video talking about it, and then I think uh, then there's Lex Myers uh, also agreeing that Yeshua ate the Passover meal, and uh, then the third video is it's called the Passover movie. Uh, you can just look it up on YouTube too. Uh, it's called Passover movie, the Messiah Yahushua prophecy fulfilled is the title. Cool. I want to see that. Yeah, it's really good. Uh, you know, I get all choked up watching stuff like that, man. It really mm-hmm. yeah. gets me kind of emotional, man, mm-hmm. uh, in a good way. You know, it's... Uh, right. Yeah, it was... I'm deeply moved by stuff like that as well. Yeah. Yeah, I think you'll... Yeah, I think you'll really enjoy that. Uh, did you end up uh, seeing The Champion after last week? Oh, no, not yet. But uh, I will definitely check that out as well. Yeah, that one, uh, that that one gets me choked up too, and I don't know if it's because of uh, what we talked about that night, but I think it was the next mm-hmm. day. It was either the next day or the day after. I had the weirdest dream, man. I was like, uh, I was in the boxing ring, I was fighting. I've had many boxing dreams. That's that's nothing mm-hmm. particularly unusual. But then after the dream was over, I was hanging out with Sylvester Stallone. But I think he was like, <laughs> I don't think he was Rocky in there. I think he was like Rambo. Um, but in the dream, like he was my father and we were in this really nice house in the entrance way. And there was like a, a really fancy st- uh, stone tile work uh, in the floor. And he mm-hmm. was taking a jackhammer to it. And I'm like, what are you doing, man? Like, and, and he, after he chopped up all the stone, there was in other uh, filler stones and stuff he pulled away. And he picked up this green uh, photo album uh, that was memories of his time in war. And it was like something that he wanted to remember, but like, or he didn't want to remember, but didn't want to forget kind of thing. I don't remember what it was, but it was like really emotional, man. I, got, I woke up afterwards like, and like, as I was talking to him, like uh, some woman in, in, pushing a baby stroller came in and interrupted the scene that we were having. And then I woke up, I'm like, what the heck was that all about? <laughs> Uh, it has nothing to do with the champion, but uh, oh. other than the champion's, you know, sort of a boxing allegory for the the seed war. But <laughs> anyway, <laughs> it's like, why do we dream the things we do? Right. Uh, but yeah, I think you'll enjoy that too. Um, in fact, uh, I'll send it. I'll send you the links in Skype. Uh, cool. After yeah, after decent. we get off tonight. All right. Excellent. Uh, okay. I appreciate that. Yeah, man. So, chapter 68 in the Lawrence translation. After this judgment, they shall be astonished and irritated, for it shall be exhibited to the inhabitants of the earth. Behold the names of those angels. These are their names. The first of them is Semjaza. The second, Arstikafa. The third, Armin. The fourth, Kakabel. The fifth, Terrell. The sixth, Ramiel. The seventh, Daniel. The eighth, Kael. The ninth, that's a drink. Kyle, like uh, Kal-El, Superman. <laughs> the ninth, Barakel. Mm-hmm. The tenth, Azazel. The eleventh, Armors. The twelfth, Baterel. The thirteenth, Basasiel. The fourteenth, Ananel. The fifteenth, Turiel. The sixteenth, Semapisiel. The seventeenth, Yatarel. The eighteenth, Tamayel. The nineteenth, Tarel. The twentieth, Rumel. The twenty-first uh, Zazel. That's this. That's interesting. It's got two different or mm-hmm. Azazel, Azaziel. Hmm. Different spelling. It's got a Y in it. 
Charles doesn't even. It seems like Charles doesn't mention us. So I guess we'll find out in a few minutes. These are the chiefs of their angels and the names of the leaders of their hundreds and the leaders of their fifties and the leaders of their tens. And what I tell people, because my second book was called Archon Invasion, and Archon is just a Greek word that means chief, commander, leader, somebody in a position of authority. So these would be the archons of the 200. They were the, mm-hmm. the leaders of the 200. The name of the first was Yechem. He it was who seduced all the sons of the holy angels and causing them to descend on earth, led astray the offspring of men. Oh, that's interesting. Uh, I didn't see him in the list above, so this is another character, I guess. Because I always think of uh, Simjaza as the leader. Right. Um, the name of the second is Casabel, who pointed out evil counsel to the sons of the holy angels and induced them to corrupt their bodies by generating mankind. Hmm. Sons of the holy... So this is the Nephilim. There's a lot of interesting stuff in the Lawrence here. The name of yeah. the third is Gadrel. He discovered every stroke of death to the children of men. He seduced Eve and discovered to the children of men the instruments of death, the coat of mail, the shield, the sword for slaughter, every instrument of death to the children of men. From his hand were these things derived to them who dwell upon earth from that period forever. The name of the fourth is Penemu. He discovered to the children of men bitterness and sweetness and pointed out to them every secret of their wisdom. He taught men to understand writing and the use of ink and paper. Therefore, numerous have been those who have gone astray from every period of the world, even to this day. For men were not born for this, thus with pen and with ink to confirm their faith. Since they were not created except that, like the angels, they might remain righteous and pure. Nor would death, which destroys everything, have affected them. But by this, their knowledge, they perish, and by this also, its power consumes them. The name of the fifth is Kasiade. He discovered to the children of men every wicked stroke of spirits and of demons, the stroke of the embryo in the womb to diminish it, the stroke of the spirit by the bite of the serpent, and the stroke which is given in the midday by the offspring of the serpent, the name of which is Tabet. This is the number of the Kesbel, the principal part of the oath which the Most High dwelling in glory revealed to the Holy Ones. Its name is Becca. He spoke to Holy Michael to discover to them the sacred name, that they might understand that secret name, and thus remember the oath, and that those who pointed out every secret thing to the children of men might tremble at that name and oath. This is the power of that oath, for power it is, and strong. And he established this oath of Akai by the instrumentality of the Holy Michael. These are the secrets of this oath, and by it were they confirmed. Heaven was superseded by it before the world was made forever. By it has the earth been founded upon the flood, while from the concealed parts of the hills the agitated waters proceed forth from the creation to the end of the world. By this oath the sea was has been formed and the foundation of it. During the period of its fury, he has established the sand against it, which continues unchanged forever, and by this oath the abyss has been made strong, nor is it removable from its station forever and ever. By this oath the sun and moon complete their progress, never swerving 
from the command given to them forever and ever. By this oath, the stars complete their progress, and when their names are called, they return and answer forever and ever. Thus in the heavens take place the blowings of the winds. All of them have breathings and affect a complete combination of breathings. There the treasures of thunder are kept and the splendor of the lightning. There are kept the treasures of hail and of frost, the treasures of snow, the treasures of rain and of dew. All these confess and laud before the Lord of Spirits. They glorify with all their power of praise, and he sustains them in all that act of thanksgiving while they laud, glorified, and exalt the name of the Lord of Spirits forever and ever. And with them he establishes this oath by which they and their paths are preserved, nor does their progress perish. Great is, was their joy. They blessed, glorified, and exalted, because the name of the Son of Man was revealed to them. He sat upon the throne of his glory, and the principal part of the judgment was assigned to him, the Son of Man. Sinners shall disappear and perish from the face of the earth, while those who seduced them shall be bound with the chains forever. According to their ranks of corruption shall they be imprisoned, and all the works shall disappear from the face of the earth, nor thenceforward shall there be any to corrupt, for the Son of Man has been seen sitting on the throne of his glory. Everything wicked shall disappear and depart from before his face. The word of the Son of Man shall become powerful in the presence of the Lord of Spirits. This is the third parable of Enoch. Wow. There's a lot there. Mm-hmm. Lots. All right, chapter 69. And after this judgment they shall terrify and make them to tremble because they have shown this to those who dwell on the earth and behold the names of those angels and these are their names the first of them is Samyaza the second Artakifa and the third Armin the fourth Kokobel the fifth Turiel the sixth Rumjal the seventh Danjal the eighth Nikael the ninth Barakel, the tenth Azazel, the eleventh Armoros, the twelfth Batarjel, the thirteenth Busasajel, the fourteenth Hananiel, the fifteenth Turel, and the sixteenth Simopsiel, the seventeenth Jethrel, the eighteenth Tumael, the nineteenth Turel, the twentieth Rumael, the twenty-first, Azazel. And these are the chiefs, their angels and their names, and their chief ones over hundreds and over fifties and over tens. The name of the first, Jacon, that is the one who led astray all the sons of God and brought them down to the earth and led them astray through the daughters of men. And the second was named Aspiel, he imparted to the holy sons of God evil counsel and led them astray so that they defiled their bodies with the daughters of men. And the third was named Gadriel. He it is who showed the children of men all the blows of death. And he led astray Eve and showed the weapons of death to the sons of men, the shield, the coat of mail, the sword for battle, and all the weapons of death to the children of men. And from his hand they have proceeded 
against those who dwell on the earth from that day and forevermore. And the fourth was named Penumu. He taught the children of men the bitter and the sweet, and he taught them all the secrets of their wisdom. And he instructed mankind in writing with ink and paper, and thereby many sinned from eternity to eternity and until this day. For men were not created for such a purpose, to give confirmation to their good faith with pen and ink. For men were created exactly like the angels, to the intent that they should continue pure and righteous, and death, which destroys everything, could not have taken hold of them. But through this, their knowledge, they are perishing. And through this power, it is consuming me. And the fifth was named Kazdeja. This is he who showed the children of men all the wicked smiting of spirits and demons and the smitings of the embryo in the womb that it may pass away and the smitings of the soul, the bites of the serpent and the smitings which befall through the noontide heat the son of the serpent named Tabayet. And this is the task of Caspiel, the chief of the oath which he showed to the holy ones when he dwelt high above in glory. And its name is Bika. This angel requested Michael to show him the hidden name that he might enunciate it in the oath so that those might quake before that name and oath who revealed all that was in secret to the children of men. And this is the power of this oath, for it is powerful and strong. And he placed this oath, Akai, in the hand of Michael. And these are the secrets of this oath. And they are strong through his oath. And the heaven was suspended before the world was created and forever. And through it, the earth was founded upon the water. And from the secret recesses of the mountains come beautiful waters from the creation of the world and unto eternity. And through that oath, the sea was created. And as its foundation, he set for it sand against the time of its anger and it dare not pass beyond it from the creation of the world unto eternity and through that oath are the depths made fast and abide and stir not from their place from eternity to eternity and through that oath the sun and moon complete their course and deviate not from their ordinance from eternity to eternity and through that oath, the stars complete their course, and he calls them by their names, and they answer him from eternity to eternity. And in like manner, the spirits of the water and of the winds and of the zephyrs and their paths from all the quarters of the winds, and there are preserved the voices of the thunder and the light of the lightnings, and there are preserved the chambers of the hell and the chambers of the hoarfrost 
and the chambers of the mist and the chambers of the rain and the dew and all these believe and give thanks before the Lord of Spirits and glorify him with all their power and their food is in every act of thanksgiving they thank and glorify and extol the name of the Lord of Spirits forever and ever and this oath is mighty over them and through it they are preserved and their paths are preserved and their course is not destroyed and there was great joy amongst them and they blessed and glorified and extolled because the name of that son of man has been revealed unto them and he sat on the throne of his glory and the sum of judgment was given unto the man and he caused the sinners to pass away and be destroyed from off the face of the earth and those who have led the world astray with chains shall they be bound and in their assemblage place of destruction shall they be imprisoned and all their works vanish from the face of the earth and from henceforth there shall be nothing corruptible for that son of man has appeared and has seated himself on the throne of his glory and all evil shall pass away before his face and the word of that son of man shall go forth and be strong before the Lord of Spirits once again Dave Murphy and crowd right. like him <laughs> who is this right. son of man if it's not yeah. Yeshua I don't know who who fits this nobody else fits the bill no it, it's no. it's astounding to me even like how often the son of man is referenced in the book of Enoch I mean I remember right. the first time I read through it you know being impressed by how many times I saw it but as we're going through it it's like even more like wow he's like everywhere <laughs> Right, exactly, yeah. Yeah, there's so many mentions. And, you know, again, the whole thing of every knee shall bow, every tongue confess. He is the judge, you know. Even in the in the New Testament, the demons recognize him. Have you come to torment us before the time? Mm-hmm. Um, and so they, they know him as judge, too. And they speak of him as the Son of God, the Word. So, you know... You, yeah, there's no doubting every everything when you study the fullness of scripture everything points to Yahushua Yah's salvation as the Passover lamb and also the line of Judah the judge at the end of days and that harvest uh, ensues with his return the second advent the end of the age everything is geared towards that mm-hmm. yeah amen uh, so yeah, I forgot that Azazel was mentioned here in this chapter. It seems like I... Do we get the same list in another chapter? I don't know why. It seems like I remember there being a list of the characters and Azazel showed up in a different... I think there was a list earlier in the Book of Enoch. Yeah, there was. That, that I, I think it's like chapter 7 or something. Something like that, one of the early chapters. Yeah. And it didn't, yeah. didn't mention Azazel. It is interesting that there's two Azazels here, one with a slightly different right. spelling in the Lawrence... Uh, in the Charles, it's the same spelling. Um, uh, 
these other characters. So these are the leaders, and then we get the names of these other characters who were, you know, apparently responsible for various things. Um, so we see that just Jaquan guy, Angel, mm-hmm. uh, appears right. in verse 4 to be the one who instigated the plan. Mm-hmm. says that he's the one that led astray all the sons of God and brought them down to earth and led them astray through the daughters of men. So it, here it appears that he's the guy that instigated the plan, but elsewhere we see that Samjaza is the leader. Right, yeah, Samjaza. Yeah. Um, I had a question for you with regard to the the book that you always mention that has the the names mm-hmm. um, and the lexicon in there. Yeah. Does it by chance have the names of you know the various angels and what their names no, mean as well. No, uh, because it's a, it's the canonical text, so it doesn't. Uh, uh, okay. I mean, you might get Michael and Gabriel and stuff, but you're not. Gonna, yeah, yeah, you're not going to get yeah, all right. these all these other right. ones. It it would be really cool if somebody can, you know, especially if somebody knows Hebrew, you know, because a lot, exactly. you know, most of these they end with L, so it's like something of right. God. Of God, yeah. Yeah, so, you know, we might get a hint because a lot of times, you know, their name is like a job description. Right, exactly, yeah. You know, the, the so-and-so of, of God mm-hmm. that, you know, that did something. Um, Yeah, so unfortunately that book doesn't uh, doesn't cover that. Mm-hmm. Um, <clears throat> so uh, the third here mentioned Gadriel. Now... In other texts, isn't Gadriel another word for Satan or another name for Satan? I, I believe it to be because, you know, in my opinion, um, he is the one that seduced Eve. And we see that in, well, the mention of the serpent in Second Corinthians. Paul mentions the, you know, the beguilement of Eve by the serpent. But I do believe that all of that is the same. Um, and that in Matthew chapter 13, it speaks of the enemy that snuck into the garden. And then in the later parable of the tears of the field, it says that that enemy is the devil and the devil is the father of the tears. So, mm-hmm. so you know, in, in this narrative, then he just appears like another henchman in the crowd. Um, mm-hmm. um Although, it, you know, it is kind of because he's an anointed cherub and these are watchers. Right. So, you know, I wonder then if watcher instead of a breed is a job description. I, I do believe so, yeah. I, I believe that the, the watcher angels are much like the guardian angel mm-hmm. and that they are ascribed to... They're observers. Uh, yeah, they're observers and they also report back um, to the Most High uh, mm-hmm. on the activities of man. Mm-hmm. Um, so Gadriel, and even every even night, uh, I believe, is or twilight is when they do their reporting. They do the reporting. So he's uh, uh, associated with uh, showing the weapons of death and the shield and the coat of mail, and yet Azazel is the one that showed them how to dig the metals up and make those things. Right. We saw that in a previous chapter. Mm-hmm. So he's like actually showing them how to use the metals and to use you know, the like an armor. Yeah. yeah, a weaponsmith and armor. It is interesting, though, that we see that all sin was ascribed to Azazel 
Um, yeah. And yet mm-hmm. you see some of the offenses listed here seem worse than what Azazel is attributed to, you know, right. having done. So, right. you know, there may be more to it than what we're given in the text here, obviously, if that's yeah. the case. Uh, well, the Apocalypse of Abraham, it, it ascribes Azazel as being Satan and that he is the one that seduced Eve uh, in in that particular text. And, you know, I don't know, again, where any of the other associations, because it seems mm-hmm. here that Azazel is one of the watchers, but in that particular text, he is uh, the dragon um, that seduces Eve and that brings forth his own bloodline uh, in that particular text. That's what Azazel is you know, ascribed that. But I do find interesting in this particular text as well that it says that um, for men were created exactly like, like the, the angels. angels. Yeah, good point. We're going. Yeah. We're going to go to break, and uh, we'll come back. We'll pick up on that note when we come back. All right. Censorship and regulation is becoming an ever-growing problem in today's modern media. From the mainstream to YouTube and Google, the information you're looking for is buried by official narratives and propaganda. This is why TFR is 100% uncensored, unregulated, and listener-supported. The shows on TFR are not micromanaged by the station, and our hosts are free to speak their minds however they please. As such, the views and opinions expressed on our station are of those who make them. If you happen to hear anything offensive on TFR, please send us an email to toughtitty at tfrlive.com and we'll be happy to tell you that we really don't give a damn. We stand for freedom of speech and non-censorship. You also stand for free speech. You can go to tfrlive.com slash sign up and sign up for a TFR supporter pass and help us in our mission to keep the airwaves uncensored and unregulated. TFR Live your uncensored and unregulated protection from deception. Did inaction cost lives? By Jack Callahan, Fox News. The New York Times charging the coronavirus outbreak in New York grew so quickly, partly over political differences. The article says the initial efforts by New York to stem the outbreak were hampered by their own confused guidance, unheeded warnings, delayed decisions, and political infighting. The cases here continue to rise, but at a slower pace, with more than 151,000 in New York State, more than 81,000 in New York City, and 6,268 deaths, 779 in the last 24 hours, the highest total to date. Fox Rick Leventhal, nearly 1,900 deaths in the U.S., blamed on the virus in the last 24 hours. But President Trump telling Wednesday's task force briefing. The numbers are changing, and they're changing rapidly, and soon we'll be over that curve will be over the top and will be headed in the right direction. I feel strongly about that. New guidelines will make it easier for essential workers who've been exposed to the virus to go back to work if they have no symptoms. The Center for Disease Control says healthcare and food supply workers who've been within six feet of a confirmed or suspected case of the virus can return to work under certain conditions. The administration's request to boost funding for the payroll protection program Met with Congressional Democrats' demands for billions more for personal protective gear for first responders and medical personnel. 
The House Oversight Committee was told Wednesday the strategic national stockpile is nearly out of N95 respirators, surgical masks, face shields, gowns, and supplies. While the Treasury Department says $98 billion in loans to small businesses now approved. California's Governor Gavin Newsom says his state's hospitals appear to be handling the outbreak, but he warns residents to continue to socially distance. If we pull back, you can see that curve go back up, that slope go back up. America is listening to Fox News. Your protection from, from, from deception. This is Truth Frequency Radio. And we're back on the Revolutionary Radio Project. I'm your host, Rob Skiba. For the second hour of the broadcast, we're talking about the Book of Enoch. And uh, if you're watching during the commercial break, I was showing a little video for Trifecta. Pretty cool, man. I got to say, the food's really good. And uh, if you guys are scared to get out and or don't want to deal with all the craziness of going out and about and putting on masks and waiting in line and dealing with crazy people, it might be a good option for you. It's like $100 a week. Uh, and you know, I don't know how much you're spending on groceries, but it's probably more than that. Uh, it's delivered right to your door. So uh, the affiliate link, uh, referral link is in the description below if you are interested. Zen, right before the break, uh, you brought up the passage that talks about that uh, people were created exactly like the angels. That's uh, verse 11 uh, in the text that we were reading. Yeah, man, that uh, that jumped out at me too. That, you know, because Yeshua, and this is one, of the, it's actually one of the arguments people try to use against the angel view of Genesis chapter 6, is the, the point to where Jesus says, you know, you know, uh, when the question came up about marriage, and he said, no, you'll be like the angels in heaven, mm-hmm. and who are, the, who are neither given nor taken in marriage. And, you know, my argument, my counter argument to that is, first of all, the conversations about what happens in heaven, <laughs> number one, we're talking mm-hmm. about what happened on earth. Uh, and right. uh, secondly, you know, I, you may have a different opinion on this, but I don't see any precedence for female angels. I see male ang- angels everywhere. Uh, but right. the fact that men were created exactly like the angels, well, I mean, we have body parts, and apparently they have body parts that are the same uh, if we were created exactly like them. Mm-hmm. Uh, well, you know, again, with regard to angels, I, I believe that... Um, they are hermaphrodites and mm. that they are both male and female and that they can that because there's the union um a completeness a wholeness in the combination of both even where uh adam and eve are talked about that when they come together they will be one flesh, one flesh. yeah and so that's um but with regard you know to uh angels being able to eat and also being able to to have sex with women, I specifically believe that the watchers were were put into flesh bodies, mm-hmm. and that that made copulation possible. That Kevin Nagas goes into great detail on that. Um, but with regard to 
the angels in heaven just like the Godhead. I, I believe it to be both male and female, um, and that you know angels are similar, even though we know them to be and consider them to be male in aspect, in same as uh, the Father in Christ. Um, that you know they don't have sexual organs or or like they're not like humanity where we're born with you know depending on what's between our legs uh, mm -hmm. as far as being male or female and, and that's all because those things are done in order for us to be able to procreate the race through sexual copulation and that's how we are to bear seed and to bring on progeny so yeah difference th th there's a uh, I'm trying to remember where it says it in Enoch uh, that says, you know, basically, you know, you are already made for eternity. So, you know, you have, that's why there's no marriage in heaven and there's no copulation yeah, in heaven. Uh, so, yeah, he's like, you know, uh, it's a different paradigm because there are already eternal right. beings and they don't need to, you know, procreate. Right. Um, but, you know, my argument also is that, you know, every time an angel is seen, you know, not every time, but many times, I should say, when uh, angels appear throughout the Bible, they appear absolutely as men. They eat and drink, and, mm -hmm. you know, and even Paul right. says, hey, you could be entertaining angels unaware. So, you right. know, um, and, you know, my whole thing is like, look, if they have the plumbing for eating and drinking, and presumably what comes after that, you know, it's not a stretch for me to believe that they also have the plumbing for procreation. Mm -hmm. So, you know, uh, but right before that, it talks about um, uh, writing, yeah, pen and ink, right? And yes, it it leads you to believe that this is a sin, um, right? Which is kind of odd because we see, you know, the scriptures are written, you know, right, uh, exactly, with, with pen yeah. and ink later. Um, and I've tried to kind of reconcile this and figure this out. Um, so I'm curious as to your, your take on it. But my thinking was that, you know, man was created perfect initially. Right. Um, mm -hmm. And has had a far greater mental capacity than what we have today and mm -hmm. probably could just have total recall of everything, you know, um, and wouldn't, right. wouldn't have any need of writing stuff down. Right. But the, the idea that writing stuff down could be considered a sin, the, the thought that occurred to me was that, you know, if Hebrew is the, is the divine language, and I'm of the opinion that it is, that, and I don't want to use the word magic, but I don't know how else to describe it, that there's some sort mm -hmm. of metaphysical, I don't know, you know, some kind of, right. some kind of power to the text itself. Yes. And I, I agree. The, uh, you know, people have talked about the Torah codes and things of that nature, which is a fascinating study. And, and I think it was Chuck Missler had a whole thing on sort of the holographic nature of the Torah that mm -hmm. when it when it was put in and I don't know how they figured this out or did it but you know, I've heard several people talk about this that when it when the Torah is put in in Hebrew into like a computer program it it's three-dimensional it it's it's like it could be read forward backwards inside upside down you know from the left from the right you know the in the equal letter distance spacing the ELS right. and all that stuff how mm -hmm. the Torah codes are, are there that it's actually like a you remember you know the symbol not the symbol but the sort of the the background image we see for the matrix all the time where it has like 
yeah this sort of three-dimensional look of code kind of falling down right. you know right, right. the the torah is, is sort of like that um and actually i have a friend that was writing a fictional novel series and he conceptualized it like sort of like a labyrinth um uh, uh like the word of god depicted as a uh, almost like a borg cube that was like a maze that you navigate through um mm-hmm that the words themselves are three-dimensional and you're going through them and it's mm-hmm. hard to explain. But uh, it's so if that be, is the case and the words have uh, the inherent meaning of the word itself, but also have the meaning, individual letters have meaning and individual letters have numeric value. So like there's a lot going on in that writing. So is that... Yes. Could that be the reason why, you know, listen, this could be used for evil. And when you get into like the the key of Solomon and, you know, the, the Goetica mm-hmm. and all the stuff that Solomon was allegedly associated with um, and wisdom that he had supposedly given to him uh, to control demons and whatnot. Is is that where the danger in writing comes in or what's what's sort of your take on it? Yeah, I I, I think that that is what it is, um, that writing it is a power like prayer and we don't understand the fullness of that but certainly it can be utilized like a tool Mm. for instance god uses it to preserve truth and to show um prophetically how he knows the end from the beginning and how he can reveal this to his prophets uh but the legion and the powers and the principalities they use it for evil and for cursing mm-hmm. and for um, to create and to manifest that which is not good that which is the opposite of life um, and so they're using it in ways that should not um, be utilized and I think that just like with everything you know all the, even with metals, you know, metals can be used as tools, mm-hmm. forks, spoons, knives, you know, things of that nature. But then they corrupt and they create uh, weapons and armor and things to to have man kill themselves and each other. Uh, and they all they always corrupt everything. Um, that's why, you know, we are shown in this passage all the things that they did to corrupt what and to, to create smitings and curses even the the death of you know children in the womb i mean mm-hmm. who would have thought that you know all the way back then um that this knowledge uh was was passed on and shared by them and taught even to you know the women because a lot of this uh is ascribed that they taught the women uh, made them enchantresses and sorceresses and taught them how to conjure devils and demons in the same manner that uh, Solomon had and was gifted with that talent and that ability but certainly you know the writings that they put down um, and that taught people how to conjure up devils and demons and I don't think those kind of things were to be passed on it's even like the the knowledge of the the watchers and the things that had happened pre-flood 
you know, that um, some of the descendants after the flood had found the writings of the Watchers mm -hmm. and the stories of the Watchers, and then they began to read and also began to act upon and mm -hmm. to perform and to... And so, yeah, I do think that that words are very powerful, mm -hmm. um, that prayers are the same way, that, you know, when you're asking or praying, you are manifesting goodness and you're uh, giving homage and uh, gratitude, thanksgiving to the, to the Most High, but certainly uh, prayers could be the opposite. You could have uh, curses where... You know, a lot of people like the things that are written in the satanic Bibles and all these uh, books of magic where they're teaching people to, you know, to sacrifice something or to do utilize blood as a, a medium to to perform these curses and to to um, to give them power. And so, yeah, those kind of things, uh, even though we don't understand the fullness of uh, how they are triggered or how they are uh, uh, actuated, um, those kind of things. The Certainly the, the devils and the demons and the fallen angels, they understood because they passed on these mysteries mm -hmm. to others. And they began even back in that time, especially the giants. They were very skilled, uh, said to be very skilled, in magic and sorcery and conjuring devils and demons and in um, being becoming possessed and you know overcoming in darkness in that manner and so yeah i i do absolutely believe that that is what is being alluded to here um because you think about if writings and magic and incantations and curses and knowledge of how to conjure up devils and demons you know these things are written down and then passed on just how much folly mm -hmm. they would create and allow to enter into the world and for people that don't understand what they're doing and you know like kids getting together and playing with Ouija boards on mm -hmm. a Friday night yeah. just because they think it's you know fun and games I mean that they don't that's insanity they do not understand what they're doing and what kind of doorways and what kind of evil they're allowing to come and enter into their lives. Yeah, I mean, that's what it, that would seem to me to be the reason for it. It is bizarre that he chose, I mean, I'm thankful he did because we wouldn't have the Bible otherwise, you know, or even right. the Book of Enoch for that matter. You know, right. uh, you know, it's it's bizarre that this is taught as a sin, but Enoch himself is writing <laughs> writing this down. Yeah. Uh, you know, perhaps there's probably more to it than just simply writing. I mean, it's, it's mm -hmm. you know, everything else is you know secrets of this and secrets of that. So right, right. there's probably a subtext to what was being written, not so much just mm -hmm. the act of writing. Because if if the act of writing itself was wrong, then why was Enoch told to write, and you know why were the prophets right, told exactly. to write, and you know why do we have the Bible, and why do we have the Book of Enoch? But it does seem to certainly have something to do with, you know, sigils and spell casting and, you know, um, witchcraft uh, and things of that nature. So words right. having power and, you know, Ouija board, you, as you mentioned, certainly. Yeah. And you also mentioned um, Kazdaja, and uh, that's verse uh, 12. 
uh, he was the one that showed children uh, the smitings of spirits right. and of demons and the smitings of the embryo in the womb. So he's the one that taught the art of abortion. Abortion starts mm-hmm. with him, uh, which is terrible, obviously, but yeah. the, the previous uh, statements have intrigued me, like the smitings of spirits and demons. Okay, so right. first of all, we know that when uh, an angel-human hybrid is is created and killed, that it has a spirit that was, you know, it's a hybrid spirit. It was it was mm-hmm. never meant to exist, so it it has no uh, destination. You know, it becomes right. a wandering, unclean spirit that goes about, you know, uh, hungry and thirsty, but can never, you know, you know, meet those needs. And right. Uh, and yet, this he taught that that spirits, which I would liken unto angels. And demons, the disembodied spirits of formerly living Nephilim, could be smitten. And I had a conversation about this with uh, Nathan Reynolds. Uh, you know, he's got quite the interesting background and has mm-hmm. experienced many unfortunate things, but he's come through it and is now a, a warrior for the kingdom. Um, yes. But... When I read this, I, I looked at Revelation 19.19, and it says, The armies of the world have gathered together to make war with him that's coming on the horse, you know. Uh, and, you know, when we look at when the sky dome opens up and the, the beings of heaven come down, the people of earth are gathered to make war. And, you know, having served in the military, I mean, you, you create weapons that will work on your enemy. So right. I started thinking, well, you know, in order to make war with spirit beings, you'd have to have weapons that would actually work against them. Mm-hmm. So, as I was, and I started writing about this in Seed uh, as a result of that, you know, uh, that question. Uh, and I wrote a scene with Kaz. That's how I actually met Rick Hummer because I, I posted various scenes for different characters when I was doing an audition uh, or, or casting call for the audio drama that I did back in 2013 and 14. And uh, Rick picked the scene with Kazdaja. And in that scene, I have him, the, this fallen angel, uh, extracting a soul uh, spirit out of a person. And it goes into mm-hmm. a holding container. And the way I conceptualized it, and, the, and I don't know that it comes across in the way that I wrote it, but the way that it's depicted in my head was very disturbing. And... Um, after I wrote it, I was like deeply troubled by it. I was like, man, I don't know if I should put that in there, you know? And I really felt like I, I felt a strong impression that the Holy Spirit was telling me, yes, you have to keep that in there. Well, Mm -hmm. then it was like a day or two later, like very soon after I wrote that scene that, uh, Sheila and I were watching one of the episodes of V when they did the reboot of V, like uh, it was a 2004, Mm -hmm. I think, or something, 2000, early 2000, whenever it was. Uh, and I think it was in season two, there's a scene where Anna, who's like the head of the lizard aliens, uh, is taking sort of a tour of the Vatican, and she sees all these paintings of torment and stuff and hell, and she's like, what is all this? You know, and the bishop or whoever was with her was a cardinal or somebody was saying, well, you know, we believe that uh, humans have an eternal soul and that, you know, the damned go to hell or the good go to heaven, and she's like, you have an eternal soul? 
And he's like, well, yeah, you know, that's what we believe. So next thing you see is Anna trying to extract a soul from one of the humans, you know, mm. that they capture on the, you know, the, the V ship. And, oh, wow. and so I was like, I mean, it's literally like a day or two after I'd written the scene that that episode aired. I was like, whoa, okay. Uh, and then years later, I meet uh, Nathan Reynolds, and he talked about uh, blue energy. And they talked about this also. Um, a number of people talked about this at the uh, Contact in the Desert conference that I went to last year. Uh, you know, people that experience so-called alien abduction, which I just believe is all fallen angel of demonic activity. But, uh -huh. you know, they believe that these are beings from other worlds and that they do, in fact, uh, extract soul energy and use it for various things. Um, and so I'm going, well, I mean, there appears to be precedence for that if I'm looking at this verse 12, uh, that, that spirit, I don't know what happens to a spirit when it's smitten. You know, I mean, that seems kind of, mm -hmm. it seems to me spirits either go to heaven or hell. And if you're from either one, how, what happens if you're smitten? You know, like, where do you go? Right. Uh, yeah. I don't have an answer to that. I don't know. Maybe you just cease to exist. But I, I mean, what's your take on that? Yeah. Um, I think, you know, I, I had interviewed, Daniel Duvall mm -hmm. and Carolyn Hamlet, and this is a, a field he works in and mm -hmm. writes about. And he talked about um, how the elites and the Illuminati and the you know those particular bloodlines they're involved in um, trying to even when they do the. DID, the Dissociative Identity Disorder, amongst people that they've figured out techniques on how to to split their personalities. Yeah, fracture, to, yeah. Yeah, to fracture them. And and so they've really created a science, uh, you know, like the whole MK Ultra mm -hmm. and everything. Uh, but that, and adrenochrome and work, all that. Yeah, and this is work on those kind of levels. Um, they're, it's really, it's spiritual fracturing in personality the personality is you know like the the soul and so they're fracturing and visualizing and creating uh, in the case of a lot of women they they make them into sex slaves and then mm -hmm. um, and then they you know have certain like uh, some are domineering or whatever whatever particular trait or aspect and then with like super soldiers or men they uh they have you know assassins and mm -hmm. well, they're trying to create the super soldiers or you know whatever um but those kind of things have been part of what the cia has been working on and ever since you know even supposedly joseph mengele was part mm -hmm. of a uh, all of this with the MK Ultra and everything, and and so I think uh, a lot of that is work on a spiritual level that we we can't understand fully, uh, and that they are able to to do things um, where they're working on those kind of levels, and perhaps you know even with what is spoken of here in this particular text and what um is talked about in the other books like the testament of solomon uh where you know he's interacting and talking to the devils and demons and they are talking about 
certain things that they uh, that are counter um, uh, counters to them, and then they you know they bring out all these herbs or whatever, and um, they have a spiritual effect on these particular devils and demons as they are cited in the conversations that Solomon has with them, and so you know these kind of things are written down um, in these lesser keys of Solomon and you know the other books of magic that Solomon was said to have written and so yeah I definitely think there's more to it even like um, I don't know if you saw that movie I think it's called the the rainbow of the serpent or something of like and it was about them you know um, creating zombies of people hmm and taking their spirits or their souls out of them and they were like like almost reanimating the dead or something of that nature and how um you know it's it's voodoo it's um where mm-hmm. they're they're practicing um taking and stealing and and controlling people i even um just recently well it's been a, a couple of years actually but i saw a documentary on vice that was talking about the most deadliest drug. And this particular drug, and it was being refined, but all they had to do was, and what they would do is they would um, put it over, they would have it in like a a handkerchief or a napkin, and all they'd have to do is cover somebody's mouth or get it into, you know, either breathing it in or, or sniffing it, smelling it, and then they could control them completely to where they wouldn't know what they were doing and they were completely responsive and interactive. And then they would wake up like three days later and not know Hmm. anything uh, that they did. And they gave an example of this one individual where this person had been put under the influence of this drug and then um, the neighbors you know he when he finally came to his house was completely empty and he had been uh everything had been stolen from him he went to his neighbors and asked them you know uh what had happened if they knew anything if they had seen anything and they told them the story about how he had come with these other people and they he was helping them and help move all this stuff out of his house and they stole and took everything from him um, and he didn't remember any of it and wow. these kind of things. Yeah. They said that this kind of thing was happening to a lot of people and it was so, uh, powerful. And then the whole thing of having, you know, the victims participate and not, and be able to be controlled and not understand, you know, what's happening to them. It's, it's frightening. I don't ever, and this was years ago and I don't, um, remember hearing anything else more about these uh, accounts but certainly it seems that you know it works on those levels as well all right we'll come back and talk some more in the final segment Extendivite is more than just a heart tonic. 
Do you have any of these symptoms? Night cramps in the hands and feet. Your arms and legs often go to sleep. On short walks, do your legs get aches and pains? Is your memory worse than it used to be? Ankles that swell late in the day? Has your blood pressure increased lately? If you answered yes to even one of these questions, you may have early warning signs of arterial blockages. Your body is saying that it is time to take Extendivite. These are not the normal signs of aging. They are the warning signs that accompany blocked arteries. Get your Extendivite today. Extendivite is available in capsule or liquid solution form at $69.95 for a two-month supply. To get started, call 1-877-928-8822. That's 1-877-928-8822. Or visit heartdrop.com. Extend your life with Extendivite. Right, okay, nurse, let's get this man to the ER staff. Right away, doctor. We see this every day heart attack or angina pain due to blocked and clogged arteries. Chelation can remove obstructions or blockages from arteries and help avoid painful and expensive surgery. Now there's Angioprim. It's a liquid oral chelation product that you take with juice. You start to feel the results fast. Angioprim increases blood flow all over the body and that means more energy and strength to take on the day with less aches and pains. 60 years of research has gone into chelation and Angioprim is the result. A safe and easy way to unblock your veins and arteries and hold up from that slow circulation. Paging Dr. Jones, please report to the emergency room right away. Log on now for a special radio offer from Angioprim. That's angioprim.com slash radio. A-N-G-I-O-P-R-I-M. Angioprim.com slash radio or call 877-882-7221. That's 877-882-7221. Greetings, Earth Explorers. My name is Brooks Agnew, and I am your host on X Squared Radio every Sunday evening at 8 p.m. Eastern Time on the Truth Frequency Radio Network. This is where the past meets the future. We explore the mysteries of the universe and of the Earth. We might go a little past your imagination, but have no fear. You will be safely traveling with us. We will dissolve the propaganda of dangerous with dangerous plans for the planet. We will discuss the latest technologies and challenges for humankind. We will discover the safest place for you to stand when the thinkings and doings of mankind come flying apart and how you can be one of the people that helps put it back together. Join us. We are TFR. My faith in destiny is all I need to prevail. Truth Frequency Radio.
And we're back on the Revolutionary Radio Project. I'm your host, Rob Skiba, for the final half-hour segment of the broadcast. I am joined with my co-host, Zen Garcia. We're discussing the book of Enoch. Uh, Zen, you are kind of on a roll before the break. Did you want to say anything more, or uh, did you get everything out that you wanted to say in that regard? Yeah, I'll just add one last thing. Um, I did find the the segment. It's called The, the World's Deadliest Drug, and it says... Um, Vice went to Colombia to check out a strange and powerful drug called scopolamine. Scopolamine, hmm. also known as the devil's breath, it is a substance so intense that it renders a person incapable of exercising free will. The first few days in the country were a harrowing montage of freaked-out dealers and unimaginable horror stories about scopolamine, and then after meeting only a few people. With first-hand experience, the story took a far darker truth uh, turn than we could ever have imagined. So if people want to see what I'm talking about, that's what it was talking and You know, it covers that. But again, it's the whole thing of, um, you know, taking the people to, and, and use them uh, basically like zombies and mm. not even understanding what's going on with them. Man, that's some crazy stuff. <laughs> yeah, it really is. Um. All right, so uh, after that, we see this whole business of seeking Michael for the power of the name and mm -hmm. the oath. Um, show him the hidden name. Uh, so I, I wouldn't take that to be yod heh vav -Hey, or would you? Uh, is it something something beyond um, that? And I... I do think that there is association with that as being the ineffable name of the Most High God, but I also think that there's something else to it because uh, it mentions in Scripture even Yahushua has a name that no, no one, one knows. No one knows, yeah. Yes, and and that you know that also would be uh, the ineffable name in some manner, uh, and that there's power in knowing or understanding as this text is alluding to uh that that name but um you know i i've been working on this book the vestures of uh light and the rod of wonder and that particular the rod of wonder the staff of authority the staff of god it was said to have been inscribed with the ineffable name of the most high god and in some of the stories it is the the Yod-Heh-Vod-Heh -Heh that is said to be inscribed on this limb, the sapphire staff, which was from the tree of life. And so, um, and, you know, I could see connections, but again, I think that there's more to it because it's not something that everybody knows, and it's, mm -hmm. you know, a secret that not even the angels dare to speak about. Yeah, they had to go to Michael to get it. So it seems like he he right. was he was the one in the know, apparently. Uh, mm -hmm. In that regard, it is interesting that Michael gave them that information. Um, yeah, that part's kind of interesting. But yeah, I mean, I don't know what to make of stuff like that. I mean, because it talks about using that name and enunciating it in an oath, and that like it has something to do with creation. You know, and the mm -hmm. heaven was suspended before the world was created because, you know, this oath. Um, mm -hmm. Yeah, and these are the secrets of this oath. I mean, it goes on, talks about how strong it is. The heaven was suspended before the world was created. Earth founded, secrets of the mountains. 
Don't know what to make of that. But yeah. he got it from Michael, and it says, and its name is Bika. Be curious to look into that. Mm-hmm. Well, with the the rod, um, you know, the Moses was able to use it to split the the reed sea and to allow them to escape on dry ground, and then he also used it to uh, to split the rock to bring forth the waters uh, to to slake the thirst of the Israelites when they're mm-hmm. in the desert, and then. And you know, again, the, and this rod was inscribed with the the ineffable name, according to the the legend. But uh, it was also used in the wars against the giants. Um, that as long as Moshe held and commanded the staff with authority and did not tire and retreat in his ability to uphold it, um, they would prevail against the giants. Um, but as whenever he began to tire, um, they would gain the upper hand. And so his brother Aaron and the other uh, priest, her, uh, found themselves holding up uh, Moses' uh, uh, arms. arms. Yeah. Yeah, to keep him from tiring until they were able to, you know, completely eradicate, or at least that was the, the war against Sihon initially. And then afterwards, because they could not believe that he was overcame, then Og and his people came out against Moses, and uh, they fell in the same manner. So the Bika, that appears to be the name of the oath, maybe? And its name is Bika? Yeah, I I wouldn't think that would be the... It's, name it's the, not the actual name, yeah. but it's the the right. the document or whatever. That's what that's the way I look at it anyway. I don't know if that's right. Mm-hmm. Uh, man, I don't really know what else to make of it other than it appears to be incredibly powerful. Yeah, yeah, definitely. And that you know, again, even um, all of us will be given names on white stones. You know, once we are returned to our glorified estate and then mm-hmm. our, um, eat from the, the tree of life, once we are restored to our former estate. And so, um, so I, you know, there's aspects of even who we are that we don't know yet. We don't understand. Yeah. Um, uh, okay, I think we covered pretty much everything here, unless you want mm-hmm. to talk about anything on the Son of Man side of it, but I think we've addressed most of that in the previous Yeah, segments. again, you know, again, I think this is um, just showing how at the end of days uh, we know that, again, it, it is Christ and his second advent and that every, because he is the one that punishes them, the evil, not only the fallen angels, but the kings. Uh, and we see that continuously throughout the the scriptures um, that that same theme, you know, the, he sits on the throne of his glory, and so uh, the sum of judgment given to the Son of Man. Yeah, there's no no denying, mm-hmm. uh, without a doubt, it is Christ, uh, you know, Yahushua, and so. Yeah, absolutely. You think you're gonna like the champion? <laughs> Keep thinking about when I yeah, when I'll, look I'll at this definitely stuff. check it out tomorrow. Yeah. All right, the next chapter looks like a short one. 
Mm-hmm. Uh, so it's 69 in the Lawrence. After this, the name of the Son of Man, living with the Lord of Spirits, was exalted by the inhabitants of the earth. It was exalted in the chariots of the Spirit, and the name went forth in the midst of them. From that time I was not drawn in the midst of them, but he seated me between two spirits, between the north and the west, where the angels received their ropes to measure out a place for the elect and the righteous. There I beheld the fathers of the first men and the saints who dwell in that place forever. Yeah, I think that is um, connected to New Jerusalem and how mm. the whole, the place of the righteous and also that when uh, Christ descended down into Sheol and made the thief wait for them outside the the gates of paradise and then when in the gospel of Nicodemus when he resurrected Adam and his descendants they went to paradise and they encountered the thief first who told them the story about you know how he believed him to be um, the well the son of man and Christ and that he was um, truly the son of God and that he told him this day you will be with me in paradise and you know he gave him the sign of the cross and told him to wait outside the paradise until he came there and indeed that was fulfilled because once he returned with Adam and his descendants and the thief was allowed to enter into paradise with them uh, all together and then when they entered into paradise which is New Jerusalem the city of God then they encountered Enoch and Elijah who told them that because they had never died and because they were being preserved for the end of days when they would come to accuse the Antichrist um, and then they would succumb to death they told them that story and so in my opinion that you know affirms them as the two witnesses of Revelation 11 uh, but we see that they, the whole theme of the the prophecy that was given to Adam when he was exiled from paradise that Christ fulfilled that when he told him that he would come you know 5500 years after he's cast out and banished and exiled and indeed that happened and was fulfilled and uh, that this was also on the 16th of Nisan uh, the feast of first fruits and that they were the resurrected Christ is the you know first of the resurrected dead and then um, he resurrects the his descendants with him and presents them as the the resurrected first fruits to the father and so uh, I think that you know again this is part of that but I'll read it really quickly chapter 70 and it came to pass after this that his name during his lifetime was raised aloft to that son of man and to the Lord of spirits from amongst those who dwell on the earth and he was raised aloft on the chariots of the spirit and his name vanished among them and from that day I was no longer numbered amongst them and he set me between the two winds between the north and the west where the angels took the cords to measure for me the place for the elect and the righteous and there I saw the first fathers and the righteous who from the beginning dwell in that place and um so is this and, enoch you know, talking I, here enoch i guess it must be yeah i do believe so yeah so the first fathers uh, i mean there wouldn't have been a whole lot you know before him 
You know, you did Adam, yeah. Seth. Because you know, in the yeah, Lawrence, no, I, it says, I don't think any of them were up there until you know Christ died on the cross. Actually, well, it says in my opinion, the Lawrence seems a little bit more intriguing. It says, "I beheld the fathers uh-huh. of the first men," as as if hmm, do it. that's a little different. Yeah, that would be. Uh, is he talking about like the pre-Adamic races? That's what I'm wondering. The, yeah, that's what I'm wondering. Yeah, or, or like even the races yeah. before Adam. Yeah. Which that would make sense to me because again, it's my opinion that we do not see Adam and his descendants up in paradise until after uh, Christ descends on the cross, mm-hmm. because that was the promise he would descend mm-hmm. uh, to bring liberty to the captives and uh, free them from the bondage of Sheol, which he uh, in fact completed. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I'm also. So that would make more sense. Yeah, I, I'm. I am. I'm with you. I'm of the opinion that uh, when Yeshua had first risen from the dead and he encounters Mary, he's like, "Hey, don't touch me," you know. I haven't yet mm-hmm. ascended to my Father and your Father. That there was there was two ascensions. That that he because we see also that the when the at the time of the crucifixion, and we get like one fragment of a sentence in, you know, I think it's the Gospel of John or one of the Gospels, uh, maybe it's Matthew, where it says that, uh, you know, it's a great earthquake and then the saints before were walking around Jerusalem. Like, mm-hmm, that's and, Matthew. And it's yeah. like, yeah, oh, that's all we get? Like, what? <laughs> like, that's like, right. That's like huge, you know? It's like, wait a yeah, minute. absolutely. That's like massive. And many people saw him and stuff. It's like, whoa, wait a minute. You know, for, for to, to only get like a, a half of a sentence mentioned it seems really unfair. Of course, you know, I always maintain that the people in the Bible had no knowledge that they were making a Bible, <laughs> you know. Right. They, they were writing for themselves, for their friends, for, you know, Paul's writing to disciples or churches. You know, none of these people had any idea that people would be eavesdropping in on their conversation thousands of years later, <laughs> or they would have been a lot more specific for us, you know. Uh, right. Because uh, that that was one of those that always intrigued me. It's like, wait a minute. So yeah, I do believe that you know they were out and about doing their thing for you know however long uh, until Yeshua uh, ascended and took the, took them with him as uh, the first fruits of the resurrection. Right. And then when he comes back, yeah, you know, he's walking through walls and doing all kinds of stuff. You know, so you know he had gone through. It's some sort of transformation, it seems to me, that, you know, and I could be wrong. He, he could have gone through the transformation in the tomb, um, but I tend to think that he raised bodily and then went up and was transformed and came back down, uh, mm-hmm. transformed. Yeah, I agree. Um, but, yeah, that's a, you know, and I think this is an important part of the story because this was the prophecy that was fulfilled, that was given to Adam, mm-hmm. uh, and that was passed on, you know, to each generation successively thereafter. Um, and, and it was so important that, you know, again, I make mention of the revelation of the Magi, because in that particular text, it shows that it was the children of Seth that had created the order of the Magi, and pr- with the purpose of being vigilant throughout the generations until the return of Christ um, because they knew that they would at some point witness his 
coming to the earth and then that you know that he would um well lead them to the cave of treasures and they would bring those items the gold the frankincense and the myrrh as a fulfillment also of the prophecy that was given to adam um and so all these things you know they were vigilant upon it and it was fulfilled in that manner and then when christ did uh was crucified and died on the cross then those three days that he was absent from his body uh, is the time that he descended down into Sheol and mm-hmm. broke open uh, the gates of iron and brass and and there's so many like many psalms and and other um, you know other passages in Isaiah even that speak about this particular occurrence and this particular happening and he did fulfill it and the the odes of Solomon and other you know ancient accounts that cover this in great detail Mm-hmm. greater detail at least than in just that one verse in Matthew uh, that same artist that does the the champion his name is Carmen he did another similar type of uh, musical drama type thing uh, called Lazarus and he talks about Lazarus you know when he was dead and he's down there and mm-hmm. he's, he's meeting Abraham and he's meeting David he's meeting all these people and and they're all sharing stories right they're like oh yeah you know right right this that and the other thing and and you know he's listening he's like hey listen and he, of course Carmen's like Italian so he's got this Italian kind of accent going he's like hey listen man I was there when he fed the 5,000 you know I was there when he did this you know he's, he's talking about you know and he even knew me he you know he, as a matter of fact I think I hear him call me now and you know meanwhile back back at the grave you know Jesus you know and he says and he does this deep voice like Lazarus he's like wait a minute yeah. I think and then it, it builds up to the crescendo of the song but you know he's finally he's like Lazarus come forth you know it's just it's, <laughs> it's gotta go guys yep it's like hey well I gotta go <laughs> yeah I love that and, and that's an interesting story too it's like that whole event with Lazarus happening right before the crucifixion was specifically to uh bolster their fear uh, oh, i mean their their uh, their faith, yeah, faith their faith so yeah. that they would and because he waited 4 days and right the interesting study i did on that a while back was the the study of the silver cord that uh uh-huh. solomon writes about uh that there was a belief that the spirit hangs around for like 3 days or so uh, mm-hmm. And it's like attached, like an umbilical cord, sort of like to the body. But as the body starts to finally decay, uh, the spirit says, "Okay, I'm out," you know. And the the silver cord is severed. And there was so there was a belief that you know somebody could be resuscitated. They they could be you know brought back from the dead, as we see people with CPR and different things. You know that they they're brought uh-huh. back, um, but only up until uh, uh, three days. After that, no, not going to happen you know, uh, or within a few days, whatever it is. Uh, and so for him to intentionally wait to the fourth day, and, and of course when they, 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 but he stinketh, you know, like they knew, <laughs> right, they right. knew the significance of that, you know, the, the silver cord's been severed, he's gone. He's like, look, I am the resurrection. Yeah, I got that, you know. Like, right. so, I mean, because they'd seen him raise people from the dead before, but somebody who's been dead for four days, that was like the right. ultimate super miracle that right. you know, for him to perform that right before his crucifixion, you know, should have served as a pretty massive sign to them. Right. Yeah. Um, 
you know, the Chronicles of Longinus, which is one of mm. these texts from the, the Thracian church, um, Longinus, you know, he's the, the, the centurion guard. Yeah. The centurion that pierces the, the side of Christ. And then some of the blood dribbles into his blind eye and heals mm. him and he becomes a believer. And then he, uh, begins to hang out with the apostles thereafter. But in that particular text, it, it describes the story of how he went to Lazarus and asked him mm. about, you know, what his, it was like. his resurrection. Yeah, and what it was like and, you know, how it affected him and his faith and how it affected the other apostles. And um, so Lazarus tells him the story of what happened to him and how, you know, he was in darkness and he was surrounded by um, just what seemed to be, you know, the torturers, the devils, uh, uh, the demons that rule down there. And then he saw you know, the light of Christ. And he said that the light came to him and then pulled him out of there. And this is something that we didn't, uh, we don't see in the story, but um, because he, you know, does, he tells him, calls him forth. But, um, and so that's part of the, the testament of how Longinus became a believer. And, you know, afterwards he was supposedly, um, sainted or something of that nature, but uh, in that particular Chronicles of Longinus, which people are interested, I, I did do a show on it. Um, we haven't released the actual manuscript yet, but you can hear the whole 18 chapters that hmm. I, I read and share of this particular text, and it's an incredible account. It also covers in great detail the story of Mary uh, Magdalene and and talks about it, 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 you know, how the people, the Dan Brown people believe that Mary Magdalene married Christ and that had children with him and all that. Mm -hmm. uh, but this particular text undeniably denies all that. And even though he had a love for Mary, it was the same as the love he had for all of his apostles and, you know, all of the people. And it describes in that text in great detail how their love was not anything that was physical and how she was redeemed of all that. And Longinus talks about how he knew her previously and had even uh, partaken of her services when she mm -hmm. was involved in um, that kind of work. And so, yeah, completely, you know, go forth and sin no more. And that's exactly what she did. Have you watched uh, the uh, Chosen TV series yet? No, I have not. Um, Is that on Netflix? No, it's... Uh, I think it's the Chosen.TV. Let me just check real quick. Um, it was crowdfunded. Um, it's very well done. Really? Uh, yeah, uh, they raised something like $18 million or something. Wow. Um, yeah. Uh, they're, they're trying to make the first uh, ever TV series of... Uh, the life of Christ and the the apostles, but I really yeah it's the chosen dot TV. Um, okay, I'll check that it. out. Uh, it's really good. Uh, I really, I really uh, enjoy what they're done, and I like I really like what they did with Mary Magdalene and how they set that uh -huh. whole story up. But um, 
Yeah, it's, it actually, it's shot here in Texas, too, not too far from well, about 45 minutes away. So when you see, you know, Galilee and everything, it's actually here in Texas. They, you know, they embellish things with CGI and whatnot, but uh-huh. uh, it's it's quite good. People are in the chat room a little bit confused about the whole Paradise issue. Yeah, at this time, you know, the time we're talking about, Paradise was under the earth uh, with Lazarus and the rich man. You know, uh, mm-hmm. you could read the story where... You know, Lazarus could see the rich man. The rich man could see Lazarus, but there's a great chasm between them. So, Hades, as the Greeks called it, was the multi-compartment place under the earth, where there's like a good compartment, there was the bad compartment, and then there was Tartarus, which was the lowest compartment, the prison of the gods. Uh, it's also known as Abraham's bosom. Uh, so, that's where Lazarus would have been. Because yeah, people are like, oh, that would have been cruel if, you know, if he was in heaven and Christ ripped him out of heaven. That wouldn't have been right. You know, it's like, well, yeah, no, he, no, wasn't he, he was not yet. in heaven. Um, it, but paradise, at least as I understand it, was liberated, you know, as a result of the uh, descension after the cross when, when Christ's spirit went underground first into the heart of the earth and, uh, and then liberated all that and came up. And then well, that's what we were talking about earlier, um, brought them up as first fruits of the resurrection. Right. And, um, well, what I'm regarding as paradise is New Jerusalem, which is above the vaulted right. dome of the earth. The, the question but they were held in Abraham's bosom, yes, yeah, which that, was in, in Sheol. Yeah, that's, that's, they're referring to, you know, where, where Lazarus was when, when Christ Right, yeah, that's Abraham's back. bosom for sure. Yeah. And, uh, for people that don't know the passage we're talking about, and, Matthew 27. Oh, we are. Oh, wow. <laughs> like, <laughs> well, anyways, Matthew 27, 53. 27, 53. That was quick. Yeah, it was. Yeah. All right, brother. We'll be on your <laughs> show right, next week. All right. With the book on the courses of the Heavenly Luminaries. Right be on. blessed, off. Blessings, everybody. Good night. Good night, off. Shalom.